Castillo. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to the Flight Deck Podcast, episode number 43. It's your boy TK, and joining me as always, we got the full the full team this time. Mr. Matthew Freeze and Mr. Omari Brown. Fellas, what's up? What's going on? What's going on? Uh, fresh out the bye. Hopefully everybody's feeling energized. More importantly, hope the Jets are feeling energized. So, yeah, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about, um, ready to talk about the rest of the season, how the Jets can improve. Going on, glad to be back. Sucks that I missed last week, but you know, some obligations came up. So can't wait to dive in, have plenty to talk about. Uh yeah. So yeah, you know, Jess is on the bye week after that horrible letdown across the pond. And uh, you know, this this is the first week of the season that I, I really wasn't just angry. You know, so that that felt pretty good. But man, it, it was a lot of good football being played. You know, around the league, so we'll start yeah, off. Sure. Start off a little bit of that. For sure, I think the main thing that I noticed, um, well, I guess that this will be my around the league, is that football. Like when you when you follow a bad team, like you forget how much good football there is out there. Every game that I watched was phenomenal. Even my girlfriend and I, we watched the Dallas versus Patriots game. Like that Fantastic. was box office. Fantastic. That was that was unreal. I mean, it had everything. Like good defense, and then they would have like well defensive stops. It was good running, like the offenses, man. Watching watching sophisticated offenses and efficient offenses around the league really, truly makes you uh, want to vomit at how bad the Jets are at times. So just watching that, um, it felt good to not uh, be in a bad mood after watching football because, you know, my fantasy players were dominating and, and I was just watching, you know, good. Uh, you know, mistake-free football for the most part. So, uh, so that was so that was one thing that I really enjoyed. What about you guys? Oh, I agree. There was plenty of good football around that Patriots Dallas game was was nice. And and funny enough, this was probably the the best bye week as a Jets fan in our history. If you're really looking around at you know the outcomes of all the games, every in division you know rival lost, and then the two teams that we needed to lose for pick positioning also lost. So it was a it was a hell of a week. And, you know, to your point, you know, TK, it, it, we weren't angry this week, which was nice. I, I was actually, you know, able to watch some quality football. And I think to your point, Amari, is that there's so much good football and, and there's so much that I, I think you actually made this comment in the group chat is that LaFleur should be taking notes and watching these games because you just watch some of the plays that these other teams are running and how they're utilizing their best players. You know, the Tyreek Hills of the world, CD Lamb for Dallas, what they're doing to scheme up, you know, those guys getting one-on-one situations and then their best players, the ball. It's just, it's amazing that we have yet to do that this year. And, and I'm hoping that, you know, this buy and, and, you know, all indications are, and we'll get into it later that the, the, the Jets offense and everything came out with some juice in the pra- in practice this week. So I don't know, I guess we'll see, but yeah, plenty of good football all weekend, realistically. Now, now both of you guys kept saying good football, good football. And it really was, but what the hell did Sean McDermott think going against Tennessee running the ball instead of instead of kicking a field goal with I don't know four seconds left or whatever it was? Four uh, through I mean, one. I mean, you're you're on the road, so it's kind of like I feel like no matter what, he probably didn't trust his defense because I mean, you guys saw the graphic. Derrick Henry in the fourth quarter, he's averaging six point four yards per carry. 
when he was only getting stronger. And, so and, his I mean, de- and the defense is getting tired. So you really can't kill him for that. And plus you have a huge, you have a huge quarterback. That's damn near. A, 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 he's a, he's a goal line running back as big as Josh Allen is. So I, re- I don't really blame him. Like I honestly, I think nine times out of 10, the Buffalo bills convert that fourth and short. I think it was fourth, fourth and less than a yard. Right. Uh, something like that. It, yeah, it was fourth and yeah. one. It said fourth and one, but I mean, yeah, I, I get it. And, and, you know, the books say go for it or whatever, but dog, I, I don't think I'd have did it. I, I honestly would have just taken my field goal. And cause I would, I would rather, I would rather lose on my defense, you know, not holding up than having that happen. I mean, I'm glad it happened for obvious reasons, but personally, I, I would have just taken the field goal. I would have, you know, we talked about momentum and, and, and all of that. And it seemed that Tennessee had the momentum, but you come right down and, and you put yourself in a position to at least slow it down, catch your breath, go into overtime and, and, and come back fighting. But I don't know, man, it is not something I would have done. I think yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not mad at it. I'll go, man. No, I'm just not sure. I know it was fourth and one, but my, my, guess would have been is that I mean it, when you have a six foot five quarterback 240 pounds like you nine times out of ten that that was that would have worked but I wasn't sure did they have a timeout left because last time I looked it was 15 seconds like why are you going for it on fourth down you know what I mean like you're not you're at the three but it's fourth and one so it made no sense if they had a timeout I can understand what they were trying to do is get that first down get three shots at the end zone worst case scenario you know, go for the field goal to tie it up, play for over, you know, going to overtime. But I don't know if they had a timeout, and I know there was only 15 seconds left. Did they really think they'd get the first down and then have enough time to spike it and take a shot? I don't think so. They, no, they I, may, I, I, they may I have. Don't, had I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they had a timeout left. But I will say this: one. I would have, I would have felt better about it if they had their stud left tackle. You know, the guy that they paid all their money to, he was out. Okay. I mean, I mean, you still. I, Listen, when coaches go for it in the opponent, you know, in the opponent's territory, like if you're inside the 20 and you're trying to get one yard, you got to be able to get that one yard. Like yeah, the Bills, I, have, the Bills have Super the Bills have Super Bowl aspirations. Uh, you know, a lot of people pick Josh Allen to be an MVP. I, I don't I don't I don't mind that at all. Putting trust in your guys. And I mean, you got to get that one yard. No, that, that's just, that's just how I feel about it. Um what else? What else surprised you guys around the league? Uh, another thing that caught my eye is how bad the kicking has been all over the league. Yeah, like it um, has been horrible. Yeah, the extra points. I mean, this is what they wanted. They didn't want layup plays during the game, and my extra points are definitely you know they're not a they're not a um not a chip routine shots anymore. Yeah, they're not chip shots, and they're definitely not routine anymore. So I think I mean I think it's good for the game if you have a good kicker. But yeah, I, a lot of the, what game was that where the kickers missed like four straight? Or was that, that was the Packers since Packers since the But that was two weeks ago, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah. Mason Crosby missed what two or three? Three. Yeah, he missed three, and he's like Mr. Consistent. And, um, and so the Redskins that, so that was crazy. The, those Redskins, the, the Washington Football Team, they they cut their kicker. He missed one uh, a forty-two yard in the third quarter or something where it was close. And I woke up this morning and saw they cut him. Yeah. Jaguars did that too. Yeah. 
Yeah, but their kicker actually won them the game. Yeah. Yeah, but they cut they cut Josh Lambeau like right after too, and he had they they made their first field goal in the game that wasn't an extra point in that game in London this weekend. That was their first field goal of the year. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't even know that. That's a that's a six that. Um, yeah, man, kickers are not. <laughs> it's not part of the course anymore, and that's why that's what makes Justin Tucker a unicorn because he's a base. He's pick. gonna. Yeah, he's he's been there for. A good while, so um, he's a, he's so on. good. You almost have to draft him, you know, in the eighth or ninth round. It seems, and he'll be worth it the way he puts up points. Yeah, he does. I, I still don't. I don't believe in drafting kickers, and I usually and I go by matchups with my with my defense usually. But um, one thing I do want to talk about, and, and Matt brought it up too, and I think we should spend a little bit more time on it. the way I, I think. I'm gonna tell you right now. I think Kellen Moore is being groomed to be the Dallas head coach. I think that he's basically the coach in waiting, just seeing what Dallas is doing right now. That offense, that offense is beautiful to watch. And granted, it all starts, you know, obviously they're doing all this now because their guys are healthy. Tyron Smith is back. Zach Martin, all those guys are healthy. Um, they have a really good pipeline of offensive linemen, and that's what Joe Douglas should aspire to be. That's just that's just how I feel about it because that offense makes him go. Like I'm every every facet of that offense is working properly and the only reason why that the Patriots were in that game is because they were making mistakes they were shooting themselves in the foot yeah I think the only way that Dallas Dallas's offense is going to be stopped is if it's by by their own doing that's that, that's what I see uh they they have I think they have a bunch of in, uh, intricate receiver sets uh they burn the Patriots on that four by one if I'm Matt LaFleur I'm putting Davis Cole Mims and and uh and more or Crowder all in that four by one Look, I'm giving them that all day. Um, the Chiefs, a lot of people are complaining about Pat Mahomes. He's leading the league in, in touchdown passes. And I think that uh, almost half of his interceptions have been tipped. So I think people need to relax with that. that that's, yeah, no, that's Pat, Pat Mahomes, uh, he's leading the league in touchdowns and QBR. So it's like everyone's we're looking for this clip to fall off. Or you know whatever the league's caught up to Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry, like as long as Andy Reid's the head coach there and Patrick Mahomes is who he is, league ain't gonna catch up. League will just get better, but like they will, like the Chiefs will also get better incrementally. So I, I don't yeah. think there's anything to worry about, you know, with them. They went in, they went into Washington and did what they were expected to do, which was beat them. They struggled yeah. a little bit in the first first half, but then they just kind of you know give Tyree kill the ball and, and, and call it a day. Yeah, yeah. Also. um, I think the only thing wrong with Patrick Mahomes is his girlfriend and his his brother. Oh my god, they're so they god. are they are super cringy. Oh my god, they they have to be the cringiest family in the NFL by far, right? Oh yes, yeah. I like think, like yeah. his his brother is the poster child of living off of my my famous siblings' Mo- name, mooching off your yeah, like he is the poster child. I had never heard of this kid until you know recently when he's just been doing just all of this idiotic stuff and if I'm Patrick I'm like I'm pulling him to the side like hey I'm gonna need you to stay the hell away from my games I'm gonna need you to just chill out because you down. you you bring it too much unnecessary publicity to 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 me and and to the Chiefs and because I mean no matter what this kid does now it'll always end up back to a conversation about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs yeah, but what about his his fiance? Well, no, they're married now, right? They're He's married. Now. I think they're married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, too. yeah, yeah. Like just tweeting unnecessary shit. I'm like, come oh on, man. Like, like, you, like, like your husband 
legit. Like it was kind of like when Aisha Curry was doing it uh, in the in the NBA. It was like, come on, your your husband conducts the the one of the you know high powered offenses in in NFL history. Like you got to relax. I don't know. I just think you got to read the book a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just thought I just thought it was crazy. But it's like, um, it's like when Giselle Bunkin was like, my 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 husband can't catch the ball and throw the ball at the same time. Like, yeah, shut yeah, the yeah. hell up. Yeah, yeah. You gotta Please. relax. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to say you gotta be quiet, but like, kind of let your husbands do what you know they get paid to do. You stick to the catwalk, or you stick to training, like I think his wife, uh, Patrick Mahomes' wife, does. Let your husband do the football stuff. Listen, you can have opinions. You just can't. You just can't throw teammates under the bus. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's pretty much like, right. like you can't be. You know, like like I'm not trying to equate it to to being the same, but you know, like like your husband is basically like like the president. Yeah, you know, if you you're you're the first lady, you can't be talking shit about people in the cabinet. Yeah, <laughs> if, I mean, you're, if you're the first lady, you know, yeah. it, it's it's a hierarchy in the locker room. Yeah, for sure, and that bleeds over into the wives section as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like it that it is what it is. And, yeah. and they they have to be you know more cognizant of, of that like like you said man you can't just throw teammates under the bus because that's that will cause unnecessary friction between the players yeah because if if I'm a wide receiver and yeah she may have watched the game but now I'm thinking oh so you at home pillar talking about me and and, and this and that you know so like they gotta chill man yeah I think I think that's that that's the main thing they just have to chill. Because uh, I mean, I, I think outspoken wise is always going to be a part of the game. Y'all remember Miko Grimes, right? Oh, his wife. Yeah, yeah, uh. yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, listen, man. I, I like Miko. I, I like uh, outspoken, out, outspoken women like that. But she yeah. was, she, she got him out of that contract, and you, you definitely don't want to get it. Uh, she's, and she's like, she's hood. I, I fucked with Miko, but like, she's like, hood. she, she, she put, the, <laughs> to, she put the stilettos to necks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, went, for sure, sure, sure. Like spicy so, ain't, ain't the word for what she was doing. And I think that Brent still had um, a couple seasons left, and I think that people just didn't want to bring him in just be solely because of you know what what Miko brings as well too. You know, you know, right or wrong. You know, because I Brent was a dog, and I think yeah, he, he still had a couple more years left. But you know, um, what else did I want to touch on? Um, uh, the Rams. Speaking oh of high, God. speaking about high-powered offenses, those dudes. Whenever they decide to turn it on, or whenever they start flowing, and and McVay is is in a groove calling plays, uh, that offense is ridiculous. And if uh, once they start running the ball, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Um, how fun would a Rams Chief Super Bowl be? That was my Super Bowl pick. Yeah, as far as uh as far as um offensive fireworks. Well, we'd be talking like a 45-42 game or something like something crazy cuz I mean the Chiefs defense decided to show up this weekend but they haven't showed up all year. Yeah. And yeah. the Rams literally it doesn't matter what defense they go against nine times. I mean you saw why McVay brought Stafford and Stafford went I believe off the cuff it's about 22 for 28 for like I don't know 300 yards, four TDs. Yeah, and they, and they you did it, and they and, and they did it in the blink of an eye. And I'm actually so happy that, and y'all y'all know that I like Stafford. I want Stafford I to be that that bridge tree. I love Stafford, but uh, I'm happy that he's out of Detroit, and people can start to see that this is why this dude was a a number one overall pick because he's he's just phenomenal. And Cooper Cup, who you know I got on my fantasy team by the way, is, yeah, me too, <laughs> is tearing it up. That dude is that dude is nice white chocolate. He should be the new white chocolate. I got um, a question real quick. Is that, if Stafford goes to the Super Bowl this year and wins, is he a Hall of Famer? Yeah. 
right? Like, like I'm not, I don't think that's crazy to say. He, the dude's put up 44,000, what, I think he has a 5,000 yard season? Yes. Well, listen, if, if Megatron made it to the Hall of Fame based off of his Detroit stats, hell, Stafford will too. And you add him going to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, yeah. Like, this conversation made me think about, uh, God, which wide receiver was that? Uh, said that if you put, if you would have swapped uh, Aaron Rodgers with Matthew Stafford, they have about the same success, or Matthew would be as successful. I forget which wide receiver said that, and a lot of people burned him for it. But I mean, it's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean can, A. Rod only won counter. one Super Bowl. That's true, but I think that a lot of that has to do with uh, the lack of resources that Green Bay has. How much is that, you know, Aaron Rodgers? How much is that, you know, Green Bay just never really funneling superstars or real resources into their talent pool? Well, I mean, he's he's had some very very nice pieces. He's he's had some good wide receivers over the years. He's he's, he's never had anybody to the tune of Megatron. Yeah, I mean Tay. I mean Tay is going is on the way, way to being Hall of Fame. How much? But, how much of, of Devontae is a product of A-Rod and how much of, of Aaron? Aaron's good no matter what. Like, we agree on that, I would think. You could put him anywhere, and he's going to do exactly what he does in, in Green Bay for the most part, I would think. That's why we were so scared when he was demanding a trade, because if he went to the Patriots, we were screwed. So, how you know, Devontae's a great wide receiver. He's the number one wide receiver in the NFL, and he's on my fantasy team. But – you know what I mean? Like I, I'm not saying how bad. much of it. I think I think they play off of each other because some of the some of those off platform throws and those off schedule throws are just ridiculous. Uh, a mediocre QB doesn't get him the ball as much. Like he's he's he is the receiving threat on that team, and you still cannot stop him. So he's a precise route runner, and I mean that that's just when you have that's just a, a great correlation and a great relationship. You have a, a great QB and a great route runner. I don't know. I mean, but we've seen Aaron Rodgers do it with a cast of mid-rounders his entire career. Yeah. Like, I like I, I watched him torch people with James Jones as his number one and Jordy Nelson as his number one. So, I yeah, mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jordy also put up, what, 1,500, 1,600? Like, yeah, he did. I'm not saying that Jordy's – But when Jordy left? Exactly. He was hurt. And he Didn't retired he the Raiders and just suck it up for a couple of years? I mean, Jordan, I, I know that Jordan he was, was hurt. so beat up. He was, yeah, he, he, he was. was he was. Listen, Jordy, listen, Jordy was good, but I'm sure during any time that Jordy was playing, he was never considered a top ten receiver, probably, right? Uh, fifteen. All right. He, but between 13, 2013 and, and maybe sixteen, Jordan was top top twelve. Gotcha. I, mean, I, guess, I, I guess the point is, is that Aaron Rodgers like makes everyone exponentially better. We could talk about, you know, Peyton Manning had Marvin Harrison. He had Reggie Wayne, but Reggie Wayne was in large part a product of, of Peyton Manning. Reggie Wayne was a hell of a wide receiver and we all agree he was, but Peyton Manning made him that much better. The same might be able to be said for Devontae Adams, but Peyton Manning also made Austin Collie a a viable wide receiver. You know what I mean? And Anthony Gonzalez. Yeah. Take it for what you will, but Aaron Rodgers is just that dude. And he's that good. You don't get, what is it? A four to one touchdown interception ratio. Yeah, don't that's something stupid. like that. And I don't even think I don't even think people truly understand. Like, like one day people are gonna sit back and look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers and think, like, holy hell, this dude might have, like, legit. He doesn't have the titles, 
But as far as from a talent standpoint, nobody's ever been better to play the position. But I don't even know how we got here because we got off on a tangent. My main point was to say that I love that the narrative is tra- is, uh, is turning on Matt Stafford and the Rams really look legit. Oh, also, this is my point. The Giants, they are in shambles. <laughs> the Giants are in shambles. Thanks so, I mean, like, no, no, no. Seriously, man. Like, listen, I expected this from the Jets. Uh, for the Giants to be in shambles, um, I know, I know I'm laughing and I'm smiling right now, but I feel bad for Giants fans because they actually spent money and they suck like this. So, I mean, I think the Giants are like the Giants are in a bad spot right now because they pretty much they have the same record as the Jets, right? Yeah, but yeah. who do you think goes out there on Sunday and who looks like they play harder? What do you mean? The Jets who or the Giants? Like they go all out on the field. Who who looks more competitive on the field? Oh, I, I would say the outside of, outside of that New England game and like Denver, I'd say that they both been pretty bad. But the Jets played the entire game. But that's uh, what I'm saying. Like yeah, you can tell yeah. the Jets got fight. The Giants, yeah, yeah, you got the Leonard Williams. Game. You got Leonard Williams coming out after the game crying about being booed. Well, your play on the field is absolutely atrocious. I mean, you guys spent what twenty? I think Leonard Williams getting paid twenty six mil this year. You got a Dory Jackson making somewhere in the ballpark of what fourteen to fifteen million dollars? I think on a three year. You got yep, Bradbury yep. making fifteen million dollars. So you got what is that? Forty something million dollars, almost fifty million dollars tied up into yep. three players on that defensive defensive uh, side of the ball. Yep. And then and you sit not- there and you go and you you spend premium draft pick after premium draft pick on offensive skill position players. Your left tackle. I understand you got injuries, but you have done nothing to help your offensive line outside of Andrew Thomas, who has been very good this year, and we all agree. But outside of him, who's now injured, where's your depth? You, you get uh, pert, but pert starting now because uh, Soldier's been so bad. That's not saying much because Pert ain't much of an upgrade on the left side, and Soldier I think just moved to the right side because they don't even have a backup. It's just well, pathetic. Yeah. Well, Soldier's the- yeah, Soldier's been uh, Soldier's been the right tackle, and they benched him for Pert. Oh, Here. okay. Oh. Yeah, how, how do you? I, don't I, even know I think that was prior to the Andrew Thomas injury because I think they're going to move Soldier either to the left or Pert well, to the left, but. The other yeah, they'll there. probably yeah they'll probably put Soldier to the left. So but, I don't know. It looked like Daniel Jones was just trying to make up for the first five games where he didn't have you know a lot of picks or turnovers because he had mm-hmm. three picks, two fumbles, and one or and one fumble was lost. Like two, one of his picks not his fault, sure, but the two two other picks were just atrocious. Like they were he awful. He threw Roger four, right? Did he throw four or three? No, three and two fumbles, one fumble lost. Gotcha. Um, also, he's probably still concussed. Uh, I was going to say he had no business being on the field. Yeah. So, so I think that, um, so at least, so at least uh, the Jets aren't the worst team in New York. So that's what we can say, but uh, y'all got anything else for around the league? Yeah. I think we went a little bit longer than we anticipated, but you know, it's all good. Bye week. Nah, Bye. Nah, we can get into it. All right, man. Look, so the Jets are coming into this week, man. First off for bye. And um, what we want to do, we want to talk about what the team can improve on. So I think starting offensively, I think we need to go around and, and say what we would like to see going forward from the offense. Uh, so we gave out we gave out our grades for for each for each positional group what we thought. But um, yeah, I think this team is only going to go like this team is only going to win more games. It's going to go as the offense go because as you can see, if they continue to go like this, the defense is going to get gassed. They're going to start to give up points. So I think that's going to be highly important. And Michael Floyd has been under so much scrutiny from us, the fans, the media. And I'm pretty sure he's starting to feel the pressure inside that building at one Jets drive. So, um, um, TK, we'll start with you. What do you want to see offensively from the Jets? George, 
I want to see Van Rotten gone for starters, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, listen, man, I really, really and truly would love to see the offense come out in the first half, like the offense in the second half. Like it would do all of us some good to have an opening drive touchdown. It 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 really would. But uh, on a more micro level, I want to see some creativity and consistency. Like only thing they've been consistent with is being bad. Only thing they've been consistent with is not running the ball with any semblance of consistency or normalcy. So that is the first thing that I want to see a, a change in, in philosophy by Mike LaFleur because what he's doing ain't working. And so, we, so no, I'm sorry, Joe. So what do you think their philosophy is now? What would you like to see? Uh, what I would like to see them do more is uh, utilize the, the playmakers more. Gotcha. Like, listen, Croft ain't it, okay? Um, Griffin ain't it. So since you know this and they've proven to you as such, get them off the field. Start utilizing your wide receivers. You you got guys on the bench, uh, even Jeff Smith, you know, when he's not tackling people on special teams, that can catch the ball and get open because – what we're doing right now just is not working. So that's what I want to see. How about we start even simpler like than that? Let's just establish the run game from the first snap to the end of the game. Like, like really, let's stop calling these naked, you know, play actions without actually establishing a run game and forcing the linebackers to step up into the holes. I can tell you right now, I watched that Dallas Patriots game. They established the run or the, the, the pass out out of the backfield to Pollard or, or Zeke. And every time they ran that play action, you saw Dante Hightower get sucked in every single time. And I have yet to see the Jets do that, and it's disappointing because when they do run the ball, they run the ball more frequently to the left-hand side, which is odd because I had thought, you know, originally they had really pushed to the right because Moses is a very good run blocker. But they've been running that ball to the left side, and they're averaging about 3.5 yards per carry to that left side. I mean, I'm not, you know, some math wizard or anything like that, but 3.5 yards per carry, that's, you know, that's only, that's pretty much a first down if you ran the ball three times to the left. So, like, let's establish a run game here and then set up the play action. Stop. set Like, first of all, we saw what happened in the last Patriot game where they didn't establish the run, and the first play from scrimmage, Zach threw a pick because they decided to get cute and run a play action. I'm sorry. Like, they're not going to bite on it. I understand what you're going for. You want to take a deep shot. You want to get a big play, right, you know, to get the offense, you know, going. But we've seen it every game since is that they can run the ball. They really can. But it's up to, like, we always say from the first snap from scrimmage, we're able to tell if we're going to – it's going to be a good running day or not. That's what it was going to be against the Patriots the first time. That's what it's got to be the second time. And the Patriots are 0-4 at home, which is crazy to me. But go out there, punch them in the mouth with the run game. You're off The offensive line is finally starting to gel. So let's go out there, establish the run game, get the ball in Michael Carter's hands, get some quick wheel route passes or in the flat passes. Just, you know, I guess it is kind of the same as you were saying, TK, get it to your playmakers, but I guess more or less get it to your your running back playmakers and let them find the holes and get you some yards. Cause and don't get cute with these stupid, you know, 
um, trick plays or, or thrown it to the, the water receiver on the out, and then he throws it. Like, like, let's not do that. Let's just establish a run game. Let's simplify Zach's job just a little bit. And and that's realistically all I all, all I really want to see. Well, to push back with both of you, I, to be honest, I don't I don't feel confident in them running the ball. I think the only reason that they are able to run the ball sometimes is usually when they it's usually like during the two minute drill. That's when I see some of the best runs. Uh, Michael Carter had some good runs against Tennessee, and uh, there was definitely some running lanes in New England. But New England was dropping everybody back. I think that New England was giving them the run. They said, we'll give you the run be- because the only way you're going to beat us is to be able to pass. And to be honest, when the Jets' offense is clicking, it's when it's, it's when they're passing. Um, so if they can't run the ball, and I'm, and I'm just being a contrarian here because I feel like that, that, that's what – I don't think LaFleur has done a good job of protecting Zach at all. I think that um, the play action without establishing the runner, I think it's just, I think it's asinine and it just doesn't make any sense. So all you're basically doing is making Zach take his eyes off the field. Uh, and then he has to, you know, he has to read the defense. Then he has to go to the fake. He's not even trusting himself. That's why he's not even fully committing to the fake. There's so much going on with, with the, with the play action and why it's not working. It's just, it's just not making any sense. But what do you guys think about his reasoning for doing that? Not, being able to run the ball. Cause I don't think that they're, that they're that good at running the ball. I don't think that we've seen them attempted enough. I think they're so quick to abandon running the ball. I mean, I'm sorry, you know, Belichick in the first game might've been giving him the run, but you're telling those, the prior, you know, the first play from scrimmage was what? I think it was a 12 yard run against the Patriots. The and then they ran a, no, it was like five or six yards. I thought the second possession was a, a 12 yard. Yeah. Run. Yeah. The second possession they just yeah. abandoned it. Like, like, I don't, I'm sorry. Like you have a rookie quarterback run the damn ball. If, if that's what they're giving you, you t- we sit there all the time and we say, you got to take what the defense gives you. You got to take what the defense gives you. Zach, take the check down. Zach, take the check down. Okay. So they're giving you the run. Take the damn run. Take it. Because I'd much rather throw the ball on third and two than have Zach third and ten because the, his first two plays from scrimmage were incompletions that he had to spike in the dirt because he got no separation because Belichick was dropping everyone in coverage. That's just that's that's my philosophy. And and on top of that, I think that like go. I don't think we need two tight end personnel anymore. I think you just if you're gonna run to the left side, put the tight end on the left side. Run eleven personnel, one back, one tight end. Get that extra playmaker and call it a day because you're getting your our tight ends are ranked. At the bottom of our roster, all three of them are awful. They are awful. So I, mean, I, I don't even. I don't. I don't. No, no, it's fine. I don't. I don't have an issue with Wesco to be honest. I think Wesco's been fine in his little H back row. He has to like twelve personnel is not working. One running back and the two tight ends. You, it's not working. I don't understand why this guy is so married to the to the twelve personnel. I think there's not even that many teams. There's only probably like half a dozen teams that that should be running 12 personnel. Like obviously the, the Falcons did it because they have Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst, the the Baltimore Ravens, the Browns can run 13 personnel if they wanted to, because they have three deep. The chiefs can do it with Fortson. Vegas can do it. There's not that many teams that can do it. And I truly don't understand why he's so married to that. And that just goes to show uh, how much of a novice he is at calling plays and feeling and having a feel for the game because he can't even see that, that his personnel isn't even working. So, so, so that I, I just wanted to ask you guys what, what you thought. TK, what do you think about that? Because I don't even think that they can run the ball as, as efficiently. Like, we want them to, but I don't think that they have the ability to do it. I think they do. I mean, again, if I believe if you line up, like Matt said, put your tight end on, on the left side, 
or even the right and, and just run behind all of them. Uh, you know, maybe maybe utilize a fullback here and there, Wesco leading the way. But I honestly believe they can run the ball, man. But the thing is, they don't even try. Like, we hadn't seen it enough to say, in my opinion, to say they can or they can't because we hadn't really seen enough. They, they couldn't run against Panthers. They couldn't run against Denver. I mean, they ran against New England because New England was damn near dropping eight. And then after that, I mean – you know the Fal- the Falcon game. I was like in and out, so I know they ran they ran a little bit. I know when they get down at the goal line, they they're running pretty well. But from what I've seen, I don't think that they're like a really good running team yet. And but that's what I'm saying. Like it's 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 in my opinion, it's, it's hard to be a good running team when you're really not really trying it. Yeah. Like I, I don't I don't know what they're seeing in practice to say, uh, you know we're we're not we're not running the ball. We're not going to attempt to run the ball. Like I, I, I just I I don't know. So, but, but they like you. You brought up the Panthers. They only ran the ball seventeen times. Like that's that's not enough. That's that's not enough to to establish you know anything. So you had you had the Panthers where they went for for seventeen rushes, right? And then the Patriots game, you had only twenty four rushes. You know. Then you go to to week three against the Broncos, um, and they blew us out. So it really didn't matter. But they only ran the ball thirteen times against the Broncos. So like, it's, it's really hard for me to say they can't run the ball, especially when I'm really seeing that they don't run the ball. You know, that 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 what you know what gets me twenty five against uh, against the Titans. Like it's, it's crazy. And it's inconsistent. Like, I'm like, sorry, like they, they'll have a good run play and then they'll just abandon it the next play. It's like they, they'll just give up after that one. Even if it's successful, they'll just give up. They're like, oh, run, run game established. Let's do it. Like, I think they're just putting too much in Zach's hands and they're trusting him a little too much. And that's not, I mean, luckily, Zach's a confident guy, but any other quarterback, their confidence is probably destroyed after having nine picks. They really, it really probably is the case. They're not, LaFleur has not put Zach in a good position, albeit we all agree Zach's got to hit some throws. These easier throws he's got to hit. He can throw the deep ball. We all agree the intermediate ball for the most part he can hit, but help your damn quarterback out with it, with the run game. Don't abandon it after, if you're run for six yards on the first play, run it again. And how much you want to bet this week? The first, the first game against the Patriots, you, you, you brought it up, Amari, is that they dropped everyone in coverage. Everyone was in coverage. How much you want to bet Belichick going to come out and blitz the hell out of us now? Oh, it's, it's going to be zone blitz city, I think. Or he's going to double back and he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to drop everyone again because clearly they're not going to run the damn ball. Yeah, exactly. Like ain't going to find the soft spot in the zone. Yeah. So, I mean, he's one step. He's going to be one step ahead of us unless LaFleur gets his, his act together and, and learns that you got to take what the defense gives you. If we're going to sit there and say Zach's got to take the check down, Zach's got to take the check down, LaFleur's got to run the damn ball. And he's got to run it consistently until the other team – proves that they can stop it. And all indications are, and he gave he abandoned on the Falcons game too. All the all indications are is that he's gonna go out there, he's gonna run the ball one or two times, think he established the, the damn run game and then and Zach's gonna have a rough day because it's in New England. So so check this so, out. Let, let me just add this real quick. So I think only out of the five five games that we've played They've run the ball on the first drive consecutively three times only once. Like first drive against against um 
against the pay, uh, the uh, Panthers. Michael Carter first runs for four yards. They been, they went run run play pass 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 punt. First drive against the Patriots. First play, Michael Carter thirteen yards. Don't run it again. They throw a pick. Next play. Um, I mean, and I and I went through a look, and it's that's like the thing for like all of the games that that we've had so far. That's the like the reoccurring theme with this team is to just you know not run the ball. They started off against the, the Broncos. First play was a pass. They ran Michael Carter, and uh, they ran him twice, and then passed it. Like that's that, that's all we're seeing, man. I mean, listen, you have a rookie play caller. Um, just, so just to get back to things that I want to see coming out, uh, it, have you guys noticed that Zach is way more comfortable in two minute and and three minute, which most young QBs are? I think that they need to up the tempo. Yep. I think I think that I think tempo is going to be a big thing, uh, uh, just in general. I just think that they need to get the plays in quicker, and um, that, that's what I want to see. So Matt has already talked about abandoning two tight end personnel. I want to see more ten personnel. I want to see. I'm even cool with eleven personnel, and that and the tight end being Wesco. Because if you want a ball with a single back, that'll be fine. Wesco, you can you know you can start. You can motion them out of the backfield or motion them to. Uh, from from in line to the backfield, I want to see some of that, and I just want to see some quick hitters. Uh, Jason Garrett manufactured 10, 10 receptions for Kadarius Tony two weeks ago, and I think that the Jets need to look at the Giants. I don't want the Jets to follow too much of what the Giants are doing, but from that standpoint, I want them to really get the ball in their in their um, in their playmakers' hands. So that means that means less Ryan Griffin more Keelan Cole and Denzel Mims. And I think you got to stop putting Elijah Moore at the X and on the outside. You got to let him, you got to let him run some verts uh, and let him work in the seam out of the slot. Or have him or have him and Crowder out there doing something. There needs to be more trips, um, bunch trips, uh, making the splits a little bit tighter. So the, the, so the DBs have to play off. Because I, I feel like that's the Jets have the most issues when the Jets are playing zone. That's when the most of their communication issues comes when uh, teams shorten their splits and they make them play trips, and then they have to play at different levels. And then sometimes that's what we've seen uh, the Patriots game. Like I saw two occasions where Hunter Henry just ran free, but Mac Jones just missed him. I think that hopefully Lafleur was looking exactly what they do with Mac Jones and how they make everything simple for him. It's just like they they just need to do a better job at that. And I don't understand why. Like, just let him do what he was doing in college. More shotgun. Let him see the field. Let him have a little, you know, just that extra second can do wonders. Throw some quick slants. Throw some, if, if you're not able to run the ball, option. at least. Yeah, or, excuse me, or, like, um, people always say those bubble screens are an extension of the run game, right? Let's yeah. throw some more bubble screens. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah that, I, the lack of creativity is shocking. And it just seems like there's no flow to the game. There's zero flow to the game. Like the concepts I was telling, I forgot who I was speaking to. I think it was probably the group chat. And I was saying that, um, that uh, even though I can't stand the Patriots, McDaniel, uh, Josh McDaniels does a good job of each concept growing off of each other. Like you can actually see the plays making sense from drive to drive. So I, I don't know. I, I just feel like I watched a lot of, uh, a lot of offenses during the bye week and the Jets are way behind. 
Like they look uh, at certain points, they look just as bad as they do with Adam Gase. That's horrible. That's yeah, disheartening, though, because we we know what we were promised. We we knew what we expected going into this season, especially with the the improvements that they made at the skill position. You know on the offense, but I mean, I just want to preface, like when we say creativity, we, we don't mean like, Oh, run a flea flicker, run like that stupid play. The Pats always run where they throw it to the wide receiver on the out. And then he throws it across the field again. And then he throws it deep. Like that's not what we're talking. We're just talking about general, like a jet sweep every so often, you know, a, a read option rollout with the, you know, a, a guy going into the flat for an easy five, six yards, like just something to get us going. And we've just, I think the most creative play I've seen was a, a Braxton Berrios, you know, end around or whatever, whatever you want to call it against the Titans. Like that was the most creativity we've seen. Cause that was the only play that I saw that worked. Everything else is just stale mesh concepts or, or everyone's going deep or, you know, Zach just making an off script play, which is what he does best clearly. So it's just, or, it's or, or, or three receivers running a, a six yard hitch when you need seven yards to get a uh, first down or something like that. I, I truly, I truly don't understand it. And how come, how come we aren't flexing Michael Carter out more? Like he's, he's a receiving threat. Why don't we flex? Why, listen, have two running backs in the game, do 20 personnel, you know, maybe have Ty Johnson in the backfield, have Michael Carter in the slot or have him lined up, you know, flex him out, motion him out. So the, so the linebacker has to go with him and now you have a mismatch. I mean, if a Landon Roberts or Dante Hightower is going to have to guard Michael Carter, I like that that matchup for the, the Jets. So I, that's just some things I want to see. I think tempo is going to be really huge. Um, I also read an article today from Matt's favorite beat writer, Samini, and he was saying that um, that, <laughs> that Zach Wilson has thrown all almost all of his interceptions from the pocket. And uh, he said that he's suffering from the quote unquote Mahomes effect. So a lot of these, a lot of these younger QBs, and and I want to get you guys um, uh, thoughts on this. A lot of these young QBs are more worried about the flashy plays and the off off platform throws, and uh, they're not. <clears throat> excuse me, they're not making the uh, the simple play. So, what do you think about that one, TK? Yeah. So. <laughs> Listen, man, I I get I get his 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 overarching point, you know. Um, and I do think that, that Zach suffers from the 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 inability to not, you know, play boring football. We we've known that. He it's been, you know, discussed before. Um but I mean I really wouldn't call it the, the Mahomes effect where they're just all out just trying to be just this, you know high-flying, flashy, look-at-me, look-at-me type of a guy. I, I think some of it is just the – the what's the word I'm looking for? Overconfidence in their ability to make certain throws. Like the, I can get it in there. I know I can get it in there rather than, let me just dump this right here and get this six yards. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think yeah. it's – I don't think it's the want to just – just have those sports in the top 10 highlight plays every single play. But, you know, I mean, I, and I could be wrong, but I, I just don't see it as that. And it also doesn't help him that, you know, his receivers are not doing their, their jobs to help him as much as they can as well. That's so, a fact. That's a like, fact. like that, that plays a bigger part in my opinion than him thinking he can force the ball in or whatever. Yeah, and not to go back to around the league, another glaring thing that I wanted to see, these teams are failing Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, and they're going to get the career beat out of them because they're, they're, they're not helping them. 
at least at least Jacksonville they're starting to feed uh, James Robinson a little bit more. But yeah, yeah, I, I look at some of these other teams. Like I watch some of those Justin Fields hits, and I'm like, man, I just hope he's going to be okay. So yeah, uh, it, I agree. It, it's crazy. Out of Zach's nine interceptions, I believe well, we were saying uh, three or four are because of either a dropped or tipped pass. Uh, receiver either running the wrong route or slipping, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, and right guard, listen, we're not going to be able to fix everything. We already knew that guard, t- tight end and right guard was going to be an issue. But I just saw today that Andrew Noro is potentially on the is on the block. Yes or no? Bad contract. Bad contract, he does. But the guaranteed money for this year and next year, I believe, is uh, it's six, 6.6 remaining this year. And there's zero guarantees in next next year. So cut no no if you cut him no issues. Yeah, no issues. So you could have him, and obviously, then rookie QB, rookie uh, salary. So you might be able to do that, and then that's a hole that you're plugging before the draft, obviously, and then you get to you get to um, you know pick another premium position that you could fill that hole. So I think Norwell. I, I wasn't aware that he was he was potentially available, and Sal actually said uh, I think. Uh, DJ Bienemy actually asked him about, you know, potential trade targets. And he was referring to, you know, Joe Douglas saying he's not going to leave any stone unturned. They're going to look at, you know, all options and stuff like that, which is great to hear. I think we were, we would all be in agreement that the only way we're making a trade like that is it, especially with draft picks involved, which is probably what this would be is if you get, you know, an additional year of, of, you know, control, so to speak, so if yeah. I, I'd be more than willing to trade some sort of pick, I mean, what did Stefan Gilmore go for a sixth? Virtually, yeah, so, yeah, something like that. So, so I have it right here on on Spotrack from uh, on Twitter. So trading Andrew Norwell, the new team acquires six point six in guaranteed money uh, for twenty twenty one. For twenty two, it's a third. He's carrying a thirteen million dollars salary with zero guarantees. So, I mean, the Jets the Jets can absorb that. Because you potentially think about what they're going to have to pay somebody like a Wyatt Teller or a Brandon Scherf, that's going to be seventeen to eighteen million dollars. Listen, they could, they could actually take that, and since you know, since there's no guaranteed money, they can they can extend him, and you know, lower that cap by say only taking that thirteen and guaranteeing seven. You know what I'm saying? Like. Or converting it to a roster bonus or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, yeah. like there's, the number down. there's ways to to bring it down, especially if he's playing, you know, well and he's he's showing that he's worth it. Um, honestly, I, I I would I would do it. I would go for it, um, and that way they can dra- draft that guy leading the bomb out of Iowa, and and you know, now now you got you you got a veteran presence on the line next to a center and next to whoever the right tackle end up, you know, being. So GPR can kick rocks. Oh, barefoot. But that's that's neither here nor there. Step on a Lego. So so yeah, I, I would I would do it, man. I, I mean, mean listen you listen, have to protect I, your quarterback. Exactly. I, I like it. And I'll and I'll be honest with you guys, I haven't I watched you know I watched one Jacksonville game. That's only because I was up early on Sunday and they played in London. And um and, and I was just laughing because Miami lost. Um, also, since we're sticking with the offense, oh Matt, do you have anything on Andrew Norrell? I already know that you can't stand GBR, so anybody's an upgrade. Uh, I didn't wasn't aware that he was available, but if he is available, I'd be willing to throw. I mean, uh, I don't know what is too rich 
for an Andrew Norwell because I think you can get away with giving less strictly because of his albatross it's a, contract. It's a salary dump, yeah. So I, I think you can get away with it. But, I mean, are we really going to sit there and uh, – maybe he's available. Are we going to sit there and think, though, after Jacksonville is coming off a win against Miami, who we thought had a decent pass rush, they're just going to give him away? I, I don't know. But I, I'm all all on board with, with upgrading the offense line. Mid-season, I don't care. And like you guys said, to your guys' point, if you upgrade that position, you don't have to shell out $18 million to Wyatt Teller or Brandon Scherf in the offseason. You can allocate those funds to other positions. You already have, I think, what, 12 picks now in the draft? 11 or 12 picks total this year? They're working with a No seventh rounders. All of them, I think, are fifth, fourth, third, second, and first with maybe one sixth. So you got plenty of damn draft capital. If you can eliminate one of those quote-unquote needs, I mean, I think we're all in favor of and I know I'm getting a little, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves with the draft talk, but I think we're all in favor of taking two to three linemen out of those 11 picks easily. But if you can plug a hole for a couple of years, I'm doing it. And if you can protect Zach sooner rather than later before he gets injured, like we saw with you know Justin Fields getting absolutely destroyed his first game and been sacked four times this last week, if we can do that in season, that would be phenomenal. So I'm, yeah. I'm all for it. Get rid of GVR earlier and instead of letting your quarterback get hurt. As long as he don't trade a fifth. Oh, yeah, because that's where he, he makes his Listen, bread. I was about to the, say, that's his sweet spot. That's that, when he that's, finds starting corners. Yeah, that's our round. As long as he don't trade a fifth, I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, but I think he might have two fifths, but I, I could be wrong. But with all those picks in the, in the top four and them not needing a uh, and them not needing a quarterback, you already know if let, – let's say that let, – let, I, know, I know that we're getting way ahead of ourselves and stuff like this because we, we don't even know what the draft position is going to be. Let's say that they're not in love. Let's say it's KB – uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Derek Stanley, Evan Neal, and they're all gone. And Malik Willis, and you got a couple teams that want to move up for Malik Willis or whatever QB separates himself. You can trade back. So if you trade, if you trade a fifth or a sixth for Andrew Norrell, a team that's going to move up probably from the teens to all the way up to four or five, you're going to get you're going to get a, get a pretty decent. You're going to get a pretty decent haul. You're going to get a future first, and then you you know if you want to, you can get a bunch of late round picks. But you're probably like if they, if they play their cards right, they could walk away with three second rounders and two first rounders. So if they really play it right, so and I think I think I think the offense now, and I think that it's I think it's important to 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 show that this just isn't a throwaway year. Like if you guys show like all right like. All right, after the trade deadline's week eight now, right? Midway through the – used to be the midway through the season. So, if they win this Patriots game, I think that they go out and make a move for sure. I think they go out and bring – I think they bring in Andrew Norwell. And I have another name just sticking with the offense. How you guys feel about Hayden Hurst? Because he's playing on an expiring contract. Obviously, they took a tight end incredibly high in this year's draft with Kyle Pitts. And the new, he's only going to be um, – it's it's 1.1 million dollars that you would have to pay for the rest of the duration of Hayden Hurst's contract. What do you guys say about that? Hayden Hurst did more in the one game against us in London than our tight ends have done all year. So do it. So that's a no brainer, right? Yeah. Uh, Listen, I liked Hurst. I honestly had hoped they went after him, um, you know, coming out of uh, Arkansas. Yeah. Coming out of Arkansas. So, you know, yeah, I, I really don't – I don't mind that at all, man. Yeah, I, I like I, w- I would like that move, Matt. I see you shaking your head. No, I, I don't have a problem with it, and I think it's strictly just because every single tight end we have absolutely sucks. And I think Croft is actually on the uh, the injury, injury report. I don't think he's going to play 
from from what I saw. So, I mean, we're going to be a tight end down anyway. I think Wesco has carved out that little role for himself. But other than that, we have no production from, from you know, the tight end position. And we, we're going to see it this weekend, too, because I don't think anyone uses tight ends better than Josh McDaniels, no. if we're being honest. Yeah. And all he does is send those tight ends straight up the seam. In cover two, straight up the seam. Sala was talking about it in his presser. They use their tight end so well. I think he said somewhere, I think – 104 out of like 150 of Mac Jones completions are in the middle of the field. Who's in the middle of the damn field? Who's Tight ends. Damn balls. Tight ends, man. Who is Tom Brady's best friend for years? Tight still ends. his best friend. He's still his <laughs> Listen, he, he's got three that he's utilizing right now. Well, Grunk's out, but you know what I mean? Like Grunk went out. He's, he's still tossing the pill to Howard and, and Cameron break. So, yeah. So yeah, so I I, th- I think those are two moves if we're talking about the offense, and, and this is actually good because we're talking about ways that the offense can improve, and just you know, and and again, I'm just going to say this again, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. I think Joe Douglas has shown that he knows how to maneuver and he understands the value and actually what the draft's purpose is <laughs> and how to move across the board. So I think that if, if the Jets feel confident in some of those spots, because we can all agree that there's a drop off at certain points. Um, if you're trying to fill a need or something like that, because they just extended JFM. So I could clearly see them not, even though I would always get an edge. If you have a dynamic edge, I'll draft that guy and figure it out. But that would plug in those holes, especially if you can get Hayden Hurst for, what would you guys be comfortable with? A fourth, one of the extra fourths that we have, if they can sign him to, if they can extend him. Yeah, no, I, I would be fine with a fourth, but I, I know how you are. We're going to look back on this if they do that and then see all the players that were drafted at that, you know, prior to that. No, 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 no. I do that when when there's players that I think that are better that the Jets picks. Yeah, no, see, that pisses me off. Like, you're trying to get me upset right now because I clearly said that Alex Smith, Alex Smith, listen, Alex Highsmith fits the fits the defense that they used to run and he still fits the defense that they run now. What has Jabari Zuniga done? I know, I know. I'm, okay, I'm just, then. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, all right. Okay. All right. I'm just saying. And Gabriel Davis and Gabriel Davis continues to uh, to make plays. So that, no, that's all I, I'm saying. I, I think a fourth rounder, probably more along the lines of the fifth rounder, just because you got to worry about the contract, would, yeah. would be more in line with what I would do. But that wouldn't prohibit me from going out in the draft and getting, like, what is his name? Jalen Wittermeyer or something like that. Jalen Wittermeyer. Wittermeyer at a, at a Texas A&M in the second A&M. round, if you can get him. Just because it's like, if you were in the NFL now, a lot of teams have two good tight ends, or at least one really good tight end and another viable tight end. We have zero. Yeah, so listen, some teams have three that we just routed off the top of our head. So I think, and I think that this tight end class is a is a sleeper class. So even if you still have Hayden Hurst, uh, Charlie Kolar in the fourth or the fifth is fine with me. Marcus May for Hayden Hurst, straight up. I I would do that. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna touch on that a little bit uh, later. So you guys got anything else that you would want to see from the offense? Points. Nah. Yeah, right. Points. Uh, <laughs> I I don't care how you score it, but I just want I want offensive points i want four wide receiver sets and i want a single running back in the backfield in the shotgun and that's it and just key on matthew judon because that's pretty much their source of pressure yeah for sure yeah i just want to see some some semblance of uh, of a football iq from the person calling plays and and i'll be happy so tk what you got ah uh, nothing man i mean right. yeah y'all pretty much pretty much summed it up 
All right, let's get over to the defense. Um, I think the defense has been pleasantly surprising. I won't speak for you guys, but I've been surprised at how they played. The young guys have impressed us. TK and I, we, we love the DBs. Uh, we've been saying that for since, since week one, and we saw them actually step up and play. I think the tackling's been great. Um, I think the only thing that, that's, that's stopping this defense is uh, the lack of – and I don't even want to say that because they've been – Forcing, they've been getting a lot of fumbles. They don't really. I want them to get their hands on the ball a little bit more from a, a interception standpoint. I would like to see that. Uh, they are going to be getting some help this week because Jared Davis and Marcus May are returning. So, uh, TK, tell me a little bit about what you want to see from the defense going forward. Um, I want to see the the pass rush be consistent every single week. Uh, you know, um. I, and I hate to keep going back to it, but that Atlanta game was a, a huge letdown, in my opinion, as far as the defensive line getting pressure and getting after the quarterback and getting sacks, you know, is concerned. So I want them to dominate the, the, the guys that they're better than up front. And I want them to play up, you know, to offensive linemen that, you know, they're not better than, um, but yeah, man, like, like that's, that's the main thing for me is just pressure up front. I, I think that controls everything. Um, the DBs are doing their jobs and, you know, we're getting made back and, you know, we had, uh, who, 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 uh, your boys back, uh, Davis and, and congrats to him for making it through two weeks healthy. Shout out to him. So, you know, I, I think the back end is 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 good and will continue to get better, but it all hinges on what we're doing up front. And I, I really hope that they, you know, remain consistent, get consistent and remain there. Matt, what you got? From a defensive perspective, the secondary, I mean, we saw last week with the Patriots, they they kinda they kind of torched Dallas's secondary for the most part. I mean, Trevon Diggs is is just a monster, but they were they were finding ways to scheme up Kendrick Bourne. Did Nelson Aguilar play? I forget. Yeah, he played and he had a, a pretty a pretty bad yeah, drop. Pretty yeah. uh, no, he had a pretty bad drop. In the middle, in the middle of the field, nonetheless. Middle of the field, yeah. It, it was. And it he would have been gone. I saw I saw that that freeze frame of that. But I mean, realistically, I think the corners are just only going to get better as the season prolongs. And I think this is going to be a good test for them. But I think realistically, this is going to come down to. The, the Pacers using the tight ends and can CJ Mosley, if Jared Davis plays, you know, uh, uh, Nasrul Dean, if he plays, can they cover the tight ends and can they cover the middle of the field? Am I scared of, of the over the top speed by, by the Patriots? Really? No, I don't really think so because I don't think they have a real burner, but I think that they have guys that find ways to get separation. I don't, I, I really do think that our corners are capable of playing up on them. I don't think that they're the biggest wide receiver. They have the biggest wide receivers. I think that they could press them at the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, more or less, the secondary has got to step up like they have been all year. They've been probably our best group going, in, you know, going into this game easily. And then we saw it also with Dallas against the Patriots. They were bullying the offensive line of the Patriots. Absolutely. Randy Gregory single-handedly killed Mac Jones twice. Yeah. Quinn they, were bully- they, yeah they were bullying them. Uh, listen. The, the Jets, ju- ju- just in the seat. They were uh, bullying for the first game. Yeah, they were bullying them in as far as um, in the passing, in passing situations. The Patriots can really run the ball. 
Oh, absolutely. And it, and it yeah. helps when you have Ramon J. Stevenson, who's a 255 pound, you know, running back who can run between yeah. the tackles and, and have and Harris, like four or five speed. And Harris is out. But yeah, no, no, that that's that's for this upcoming matchup. I'm talking about what do you want to see for the, from them for the rest of the season? Oh, oh, like, oh, yeah. oh I'm sorry, I'm going off on a little tangent. Uh, yeah, no, the corners got to continue to play as well as they have, and the pass rush got to be consistent and get home every single week. We can't have our guys disappearing like they have been. And I think the one thing that we haven't really talked about is that the run. The I know we we, we highlighted that Foley in the group chat. We highlighted that Foley is I think number one in deep. You know you know, run, run grade, run defense grade for, for D tackles, yes, which sir. is all fun and games, but we're still giving up chunk plays on the edge. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's been, it's been a rough go for the run defense. And I, and I really do think that the jets got to find a way to make teams one dimensional because the corners aren't going to hold up all year. I'm sorry to say, like, I, I know we all hope they will because they're young. They're all, all of them have two years or less of experience. Like w- that's wishful thinking, but they're going to have their issues. And the run defense has to has to step it up a little bit and make the other team a little bit more one dimensional. And if they do that for the rest of the season, listen, man, we can get a couple of wins here. I'm not saying anything crazy, but we can rattle off a couple of wins. We have a not a terribly difficult schedule moving forward. A lot of the teams we, you know, a lot of the difficult games, quote unquote, have been played already. But you can go out there and, and you can rattle off some wins as long as the run defense kind of shows up and and realistically. I think that's that's all we gotta we gotta worry about. I'm hoping Quinn and Williams has a big game, has a big you know rest of the season. I'm hoping he gets that double digit sack, you know, mark that we all predicted him. And and I really do think JFM is going to get that double digit sack, you know, plateau also. But realistically, I think it, it is going to start with making the, uh, other teams one dimensional. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what they have to do, and they have to learn how to. Or I don't want to say learn because they know how to do it. It's just they got to get better at it. Is is really plugging up those gaps and, and stopping the run game from getting going. Cause we've seen them get burned on some play action passes just because they get run all over sometimes. Yeah. Uh, the main thing I want to see, and the reason I feel that they're giving up so much in the run game is because they just have their defensive linemen attacking. Like if you guys watch the, the, the defensive ends and the edges, they're just running up field, just always trying to get to the passer. So a lot of those run plays, and I think, and I also think that's why CJ Mosley's rating has been down because they're asking him to do a lot on a lot of those run plays. If CJ doesn't make the tackle, it goes for that play will go for like another 20 yards. So I think that they're asking a, a lot of their linebackers right now. I think they need to reel in uh, their defensive ends and kind of shorten up their split sometimes, especially in running situations. A lot of teams are taking advantage of that. Um, I want them to stop playing. I want them to start playing more aggressive on on passing situations i felt like they were just giving up first downs to the falcons i don't understand why they didn't just trust their young guys to just lock them up press them and run with them that's why you got these you know these super athletic guys who probably are more athlete than they are football players at the at this point in their career um i think Ulbrich and Salah need to need to need to get away from always being in that bend but don't break mantra in that mindset they need to attack a little bit more too um i think that they i think that they need to blitz more on early downs i would love to see that and i want to see them trust the 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 dbs a little bit more too i just don't want to see cover three all day i think you're going to have to uh you're going to have you're going to have to man up and 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 switch it up a little bit because if you guys see uh another thing i noticed in in the dallas and in the wingle game you guys can see that uh, dallas is probably going to be like my second team that i root for now um you can see Dan Quinn, who comes from that Seattle tree. He play, he switches it up now, too. There's a lot of different looks that he's showing. He's showing a lot of uh, man blitzes and certain things like that. And and he's I think that's the reason that Trayvon Diggs is 
doing what he's doing right now. He's putting him, he's giving him a lot of opportunities to do that. So I would like to see Bryce Hall in more man situations. I want to see what Echoes can do because you have to find out what those guys could do to see if you have to plug those holes in the offseason. So that's what I want to see. I want to see continued dominance from the interior of the line. I think that uh, the trio of Foley, Q, and Sheldon Rankins is is one of the strongest groups in the NFL. And we're going to have to, TK, we're going to have to do something about a soundbite to get um, Teddy KGB, that little <laughs> the snippet when he says, pay that man his money. We're going to have to get that for Foley because he's up next. So yeah. that's yeah. That's one thing I do want to see. Speaking of defense, pay the man. Yeah, pay that man his money because I think that he's he's playing. I don't want to say all pro, but he's playing at a Pro Bowl level right now. Like like people in the know know what uh what what Foley's uh doing right now. So so that's what I truly want to see. So and and one thing that you know the Jets need to realize about Foley is, uh, yesterday's prices. Not today's price. Ain't today's prices. And the longer you wait, the, the more the, the price go up. So I don't think that there's I don't think that there's any way that they should let Foley go. I think the role that everyone's in right now is really is gonna keep them fresh. And I think it only helps all of them. I think that Sheldon Rankins is better as I think he's playing what, sixty or seventy percent of the snaps or something like that. Yeah. I think with his injury history, I think that's kind of the sweet spot and where you want to keep him. So that's what I want to see as well. Um, I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of excited to see what Jared Davis can do. Maybe that'll take the load off of CJ a little bit and we'll kind of see him uh, be able to kind of have some different responsibilities. So I'm looking forward to that. And um, I'm looking forward, honestly, I'm looking forward to seeing how May and Davis play with each other. So, so that'll be good as well too. Um, I'm going to throw out a couple of names out here and see if you guys would be interested. And I know probably not because the Jets, uh, th- these are probably moves that, that you're going to make if, you're, if your team is in contention. Um, I see here that – and these are just guys that are on expiring contracts. So Kyle Fuller is on a one-year deal, and uh, the team that acquires him, you would have to uh, have $5.2 million left. That's probably a no because the Jets want to see what their young cornerbacks can do. Um, Jets definitely don't need a D tackle. Taven Bryan, he's on an extend uh, on an expiring contract. Um, what about Joe Hayden? Yes, yeah, no. three point three point eight million guaranteed. Oh uh, yeah, no, that's what I figured too. So I mean, uh, to be honest, I, I think the Jets on defense. There's a lot of young guys that we just want to see play out the year. So I'm not really sure that that they're gonna do any moves like that, but. If you guys don't have anything else, I think we could just go right into the Patriots uh, matchup. Yeah. You guys got anything else for the defense? Nah, I don't. Uh, I think the only the only thing we could see instead of bringing someone in is is I don't know if we're gonna talk about this later. Is the whole Marcus May on his way out potentially? Uh, that would that would be the only move I can see outside of the Norwell move if he uh, if JD decides to make that. But yeah, Marcus May on the way out would be the only thing that I see. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we, we could talk about that before we get into the pages if you want to. I think uh, we kind of spoke about it last week, but um, I don't know. Like, Marcus May, I, I think that I, I personally feel, and TK personally feel, I don't want to speak for you unless you've changed over the last week. I think that the best the, – the Jets have all the leverage. They can control him for another year. I mean, it would be for $11 million a year, and honestly, that's the contract that I would have gave Marcus May in the first place, four years, $44 million. So I think that right now, just just let them play it out. Unless a team comes with you and gives you like a third, 
So how do you feel about it, uh, TK? I mean, you know, I'm uh, I I don't mind keeping it. You know, yeah. you, you, y'all know how I felt when when the whole uh, drunk driving incident broke. My initial thought was, hey, put your arms around him, welcome him, you know, tell him, hey, we, we're there for you. You're amongst family. We understand you messed up. Take this $8 million that I'm offering. Like, I'm, I'm still in this corner. So it wouldn't bother me if, if he stayed. I don't think they, they'll trade him. I just don't don't think they would. But, I mean, if they do, I, I'm hoping it's not just for the sake of trading him. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, you, yeah. if you're going to trade him, get something tangible that we can use. Not a six-round pick or some shit like that. But, like, one, uh, you know, one of you said earlier, uh, uh, Hurst for, for, for May? Yeah. Because, because I mean, you got to pay somebody. You, you know, so you might as well pay the tight end if you don't want to pay. You know, May what what whatever he's he's looking for. So yeah, keep him, and and you know let him walk. In the end, if if he doesn't want to resign, you'll get some type of compensation. But you're not just giving him away. That's exactly how I feel about it, Matt. What do, what do you think? Because I feel like I get, I'll give my thoughts on May. No, I, I, I think you guys kind of summarize it up. I, I agree. I think Hayden Hurst for, for May, you get something tangible to, that you can utilize this season. And then if, you know, you, you make that trade for Hurst, he goes out there, he produces, you give him the contract, you're good to go. You do exactly what you would have did with Marcus May if he, you know, didn't get in trouble or if he didn't want to trade, you know, get traded or whatever. But, yeah, no, I think you guys summed it up for the most part. We could probably move into the, uh, into the, the game coming up. Yeah, so for sure, I'll just kick it off with you guys. Uh, what are you? What are going to be your paths to victory? How are the Jets going to be able to to win this game? Because I mean, for me personally, after watching them against Dallas, I think that if they if they show up and their offense is clicking the way that it was and they're giving up the run, I don't see the Jets beating them. Especially, I don't see the Jets beating them at home. So uh, yeah, Matt, you can kick it off because you. Have I mean, everyone's beating them at home, so I mean. I wouldn't be shocked if we – I would be shocked if we won because we're the Jets, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if you know, you do beat them at home because they win games on the road clearly but not at home. But past the victory, you got to – you really got to make Matt Jones one-dimensional. Like, you got to force him to throw and force him to actually push the ball downfield. His average depth of target is, I believe, six yards. Out this past week, his, the reason that his yards per attempt went up is on that – botched coverage where Trevon Diggs and, and the safety had like bracket coverage and he just went over the top instead of going underneath and picking it off for whatever godforsaken reason. So his, you know, yards per attempt went up. Mac Jones is averaging roughly, first of all, the hype train on Mac Jones is like full steam ahead right now, which is insane to me, but uh, it, listen, kudos to them for putting him in the best position to succeed. But I think if you're the Jets, you got to go out there. You got to force him to be one dimensional. You got to stop the run. And on the flip side of that, you got to establish the run. You got you got to do exactly what you're trying to you know negate for for the other quarterback the other young quarterback right we always say what's the best friend of a young quarterback a good running game well Mac Jones has benefited from a hell of a good running game I mean Damian Harris went for 120 yards the other day 105 yards whatever the hell it was so you got to sit there you got to establish that you're not going to allow them to run but you are going to run and it's a, it's pretty much as simple as that I think that's that is the way to victory is because I, I Mac Jones is a hell of an accurate quarterback, but if you can stop him from having that play action, stop him from having those underneath, you know, quick little, you know, as good of, a, you know, as good as a run little dink passes behind the line of scrimmage, 
then I, I, I think that this could be a viable way to win. And then on the flip side of that, you got to go out there. You got to establish your run game. Like we've said every week, you got to punch them in the face and you, and TK, you said it earlier, it would be nice if they went out there and they scored points to shut up the crowd early. Cause if they can go out there and they could punch them in the face, even if it's a damn field goal, just prove that you can go on, get to the other side of the field. I think against the Patriots, their average starting position when their offense came on the field was close to midfield. Ours was within our own like 20. That's unacceptable. And we always say you got to win two out of three phases of, of, of the game. So if you're not going to sit there and you're not going to, you know, win offensively, you got to go out there and your defense has to show up. Your defense got to get turnovers and your special team's got to do its thing. So, you know, I, I, getting back to my past victory, it's just you got to stop their run and you got to run the ball. Help your damn quarterback out. It's been – this is going on, what, week seven, our sixth game, but week seven. It's time to help your damn quarterback out. And, and I really do think Zach would benefit from having a play action where everyone actually fell for it and he could roll out out of the pocket and make that, you know, easier throw. Yeah, I, I agree, man. Um, the main path for me – is one don't throw four picks. Like let's 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 start with that. Um, you have to protect the ball. We cannot give them extra, um, you know, possessions. We can't give them very short field positions. We can't give them the opportunity to have the time of possession at a a two to one clip or, or whatever. So we have to protect the ball. How do you do that? You run the ball to help your quarterback. You you call plays to help your quarterback and put him in the position to win, just like New England does. Just like the dink and dunks and the – because, you know, I was watching that game, and it seems like every single throwing play – he had an out. He had someone he could dump it off to. So that is is one of the main things for me. Just protect the protect the ball, protect your quarterback. Which honestly, they're they're doing a pretty good job. Uh, there's five tackles in the league right now who has allowed uh, less than double digit pressures and and no sacks. And number five on that list is George Fant. So. Continue to, you know, protect your quarterback, both with the line, both with the play calling and as well as running the ball and, you know, just dominate the line of scrimmage on defense. You do that, we can win that game. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be the dead horse. Obviously, the most important thing is to not give the ball to the other team. I think if the Jets do that, I think that this game will be competitive because I think more than half of those uh, of the Patriots' points last time came off turnovers. So if you – all Zach has to do is not throw four picks, and I think the Jets will, <laughs> will be in this game. Um, I just want to see more aggressiveness from the DBs. And I think, you know, we're up to, like Matt said, we're in week seven right now. So hopefully Solid and Ober trust the guys a little bit more. So we'll start to see some, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the training wheels taking off of this defense a little bit in terms of the defensive backfield. Offensive line, just stay stout. Um, Honestly, man, I think a lot of this, the rest of this season is just going to come down to the floor. Is he going to be stubborn or is he going to be – or is he going to take a hard look at the field and, and himself and say, like, all right, look, this is what we need to do. Zach, try not to do too much. 
and control the line of scrimmage, man. And I think that um, you know, you know, you know. Let, let, let's do predictions. I'll go first. <laughs> I said all that to say I still don't think the Jets are going to win because they just—I don't know what team is going to show up, and I don't know if they're going to wait till after halftime to realize that that a football game has started. So um, we're putting a number on it. I'll say twenty-four ten New England. Uh, Tyus, what you got? I am going to go. 2420. Okay. New York, New York Jets. I like it. I like it. Uh, oh. Matt, what you got? I got 20, 2114 Patriots. Okay. All right. All right. So it's not bad. So we'll see, man. All right. If you guys don't have anything to add, I thought this was a good episode. We feel, you know, we sound a little bit refreshed. I think, um, we're all a little bit energized from the bye week. So uh, I just want to tell the fans, man, we're seeing a lot of engagement in the groups uh, on our page, and we appreciate all the love and all the listens that you guys have given us. So on behalf of the Flight Deck crew, Matt, TK, I'm Amari. This was episode 43. We'll catch you guys next week. Go Jets.